Ecclesia is a new church trying to live out the way of Jesus in Princeton, New Jersey. We pray this teaching invites you to love Jesus and people more deeply and to embrace the full life that Jesus offers each one of us. Grace and peace to you. Victor Hugo's Les Mis, Jean Valjean, is at the end of his rope. Recently released from prison, he's been given a document that identifies him as a criminal. So anytime he tries to find work, he basically has a state-issued scarlet letter that proves that he is a, a felon and somebody not to be trusted. And so he has an impossible time finding work and eventually finds himself on the streets again. And desperate and terrified that he might be picked up by the police for vagrancy, he knocks on the door of a local bishop. And the bishop welcomes him in, sits him down to a feast, gives him a room for the night. But Jean Valjean, even in the face of this incredible kindness, has seen the horror of life on the other side of imprisonment, of seeing the horror of trying to forge a life for himself the honorable way. He's also seen the priceless silver that the bishop has and makes a quick calculation. Even though the bishop has been extraordinarily generous to him, he decides to take matters into his own hands and makes off with the silver in the middle of the night. Now Jean Valjean has not gotten far when he's apprehended by the police and the police suspect that the silver is stolen. And so they haul him back to the place where they suspect it was stolen from, to the house of the bishop. They lay out the stolen silver in front of the bishop, Jean Valjean, hanging his head in shame, knowing not only is he certainly going to spend the rest of his life in prison doing hard labor, but that he has betrayed the kindness of the one person who ever showed him any. Expecting to hear words of disappointment or condemnation or how could you, the bishop instead simply says, My friend, you forgot the candlestick. And we've been talking about blessing. And first of all, we focused uh, on blessing just as God's posture towards us and towards the world. And now we're in the midst of exploring how we might become a people of blessing. And we've been using this working definition. Blessing is the investment of words, gifts, and relationship manifesting itself in people, provision, presence, and praise. Last week we talked about words, words that create worlds, intentionally blessing people with the things that we say, speaking life and new possibility over them. And this week we want to focus specifically on gifts. Now next week we'll focus on spiritual gifts and those gifts of relational presence. But this week we're going to zero in on how we reflect God's posture of blessing towards the world by giving of our actual things, our resources, our money. But here's the incredible thing about apprenticeship in the way of Jesus. For the old pagan religions, giving gifts was a means of sacrifice, of trying to appease the gods and goddesses by placating them with stuff. There was a level of insecurity in all of it. Did the god accept my gift? Did I give the right gifts to the right gods? But when it comes to the way of Jesus, our giving of gifts is always a loving response to a God who gives endlessly of himself, a loving response to the God who gives the incredible gift of his very Son. 
the wonder of John 3.16 is nearly lost on us because it's so familiar. But let's look at this passage this morning briefly with fresh eyes. John writes, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but would have eternal life. Now look at the abundance that's present in this very short passage, the extravagance hidden in these verses. God so loved, so much love for the world, the entire world, every single part of it, that he gave his son such an incredible and unspeakable gift. He gave it not just to some people, but to everyone and everyone that believes in him would have life and life eternal. This this verse has been such a microcosm for what it means uh, to tell the story of the beauty of Jesus for good reason. It contains God's extravagant posture towards us. Later in John 3, during the same discourse, John will write, He whom God has sent speaks the words of God and he gives the Spirit without measure. Again, Ecclesia, God's fundamental posture towards the world is blessing upon blessing. And here the manifestation of that blessing, the full disclosure and revelation of that blessing is God giving his very son, Jesus Emmanuel, God with us. He gives and he gives because he is the fountain of every blessing. James 1 verse 17 says, every good gift comes down from the Father of lights. Paul, in reflecting upon the incredible gift of Jesus Christ in Philippians chapter 2, composes a hymn because sometimes only a song will do. Where prose falls short, we move into poetry. And so Paul breaks into song, writing, Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited. Rather, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness and being found in human form. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is such an incredible passage. Again, there's this palpable sense of extravagance. The word for empty in Philippians chapter 2 is a form of the word kenosis. Now, I usually don't get too hung up trying to teach you Greek words, but I do think that this particular word in the Greek, kenosis, is an important concept that will frame our understanding of what Jesus was accomplishing on the cross. Jesus empties himself, giving of himself completely. Of all of his eternal splendor, he gives all of his status as the one who brought the world to life. He gives, empties himself of his nature, that he is the epitome of life itself, all to embrace death, and even death on a cross. And interestingly, Paul in Philippians 2 instructs us to do likewise. He says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who did all of these things. And within Philippians 2, there's this profound sense of trust in God here. 
a witness to the abundance of God by Jesus that as he gives, emptying himself of his very identity, as the resurrection and the life submits to death, that God will not fail him. That God will not run out in the end. That at the end of death, there is a love that is stronger, which no height, nor depth, nor life or death could ever separate us from. Again, we see the abundance that Jesus brings forth and receives that he is highly exalted, not just honored, but exalted. His name is above every name, that every knee, not just some knees, every knee in heaven and on earth will bow. And friends, our world runs on scarcity principles, supply and demand, zero sum. If you get something, then there will not be enough left over for me, particularly in the moment that we find ourselves in right now. With so much uncertainty around how this pandemic will continue to play out or when it will end. With the seeming lack of collective will and leadership around the handling of the virus itself. It will be so tempting in the days that are to come for us to hoard, to store up, to keep for ourselves because we are afraid. But I pray I pray that we can see in this passage, Ecclesia, our giving of the very things that we think we need. Giving to the point of pain or sacrifice is not resigning ourselves to a joyless, scraping by kind of existence. It is a reflection of the way that Jesus empties himself. It is a reflection of the kind of faith that God calls us to. It is to trust the very heart of God. To trust not only that he is the creator, that he is able to supply our needs, but he is the God who loves us and cares for every minute detail of our lives. Jesus, in reflecting on this anxiety between not enough and trust, this separation between these two things, and the Sermon on the Mount says in Matthew 6, verses 25 through 34, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And are you not of more value than any of them? And can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your span of life and why? Why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith, therefore I tell you, do not worry, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? Or what will we wear? For it is those who don't know God who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But strive first for the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. Ecclesia, I want to challenge us as a collective, as a church, to be a people who even in the days of trouble give generously of our money and of our resources, to be a people who are quick 
to respond to need, quick to lend our stuff, quick to give generously, quick to see what we have might be multiplied to serve the poor, the orphan, the widow, and the needy among us. I want to invite you over the course of the next week to do a simple inventory of your life. Where are you fearful around this area of finances? Where are you fearful that there will not be enough? And where is God calling you? Even in the midst of that in-between space, even in the midst of that anxiety, to give in trust and in faith that God is a good God. You know, John Wesley would instruct his churches, the founder of Methodism, uh, to, to, to make all you can, to, to save all you can, and to give all you can. And that's often a good principle for us. Even as we examine the, the one who bears witness to the reality of the kingdom, that there is always enough that there is an abundance in the hands and the heart of God. And Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 is talking to a church in a similar moment to our own. He's writing to a church that has the resources to share with other churches in need. And I want you to notice how pastorally, how gently Paul presses them to consider what they might be giving, to consider uh, that they should be entering into this joyful uh, transaction with God. He says in verse 8, I do not say this as a command, but I am testing the genuineness of your love against the earnestness of others. For you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. What an incredible passage. By his poverty we might become rich. And look at what Paul says as he goes on in verse 10. And in this matter, I'm giving my advice. It is appropriate for you who began last year not only to do something, but even to desire to do something, now finish doing it so that your eagerness may be matched by completing it according to your means. For if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. I do not mean that there should be relief to others and pressure on you, but it is a question of a fair balance between your present abundance and their need, so that their abundance may be for your need, in order that there may be a fair balance. As it is written, the one who had much did not have too much, and the one who had little did not have too little. Jesus, though he was rich, for our sake became poor, so that by his poverty we might become rich. He calls Paul, he calls out their eagerness to do something. And then he says, do it. We all have that sense when we see a need. Oh, that's so sad. Oh, what can I do? Oftentimes the Spirit is prompting us to move into action. He says to the church in Corinth, he says, God is not interested in what you don't have. He's not asking what's not in your hands. He's simply asking, what can you do with what God has already placed in your hands? Remember the bishop from Les Mis we started this talk with? Well, in the film version, there was a man named Colin Wilkinson. And Colin Wilkinson earned fame playing Jean Valjean in the London production of Les Mis and later on the Broadway production. And when the movie was being cast, he was far too old and frankly not famous enough to play the lead role of Jean Valjean. No, that honor had to go to Wolverine. But there was a role in the movie 
that Colin Wilkinson, this man who had played Jean Valjean night in and night out for years, was perfectly suited to play that of the bishop. And when asked about playing these two different roles, when asked about moving from being the lead character, Jean Valjean, who is the central focal point of the story, to playing the bishop, who plays a pivotal yet small role, Colin Wilkinson reflected, to receive as Jean Valjean that incredible grace night after night after night, and now, in playing the bishop, to be able to give it away is the most profound joy. And Ecclesia, I hope you can see how we, like Colin Wilkinson, have, have been placed in this role where we have received this incredible grace. We've received a blessing where we deserved condemnation. We've received the abundance of God where we were afraid there was only going to be a scarcity. And now, our call is to play a different role, that of the giver, that of those who walk the world as the pardon of God, who give out of the abundance of what God has given us. We have received very uh, much so. We have received endless joy, grace, peace. Let us be a people who bear witness to the God who overcomes every lie of scarcity and forsakenness and give of our money and our things because in doing so, we testify to the truth that this world is a gift. It is a gift from a joyful and loving creator, and he will supply all of our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. The theologian Hans Urs von Balthasar reflects that the gift that we bring is the reception of the divine self-communication in history by receiving the reality of Trinitarian love. That is, receiving the world as a gift from God and for God. Ecclesia, we receive this world and everything that we have as a blessing from God and for God. And as we live in the world, we bear witness to His call on our lives to make known His glorious presence, His love, His peace by sharing that which He has placed in our hands let us be this kind of people, even in uncertain times, even in moments of scarcity. Let us pray together. Dear Jesus, we pray, God, that we would be brought into your reality. God, the way that you see the world. Lord, we see the world often through uh, spreadsheets and often through uh, red numbers and often feeling the pain of what we don't have, God. But you are a God of abundance. God, you are a God, as we trust you, we find that you are providing for us, God, daily bread. God, that it doesn't have to be too much, God, but it's never too little. And so, Jesus, would you help us in these moments to place our trust in you? And God, I want to invite us in this moment to just explore where we might be feeling anxious or afraid around this area of, of finance and resource and money. And God, would you just, wherever we are, would you meet us in that place? God, with a reassuring word, with a gentle pastoral word, not condemning God, but bringing us along in what it means to trust you, what it means to live for you, what it means to share with others. 
And Jesus, would you help us, just as the pastor of this church, I pray that collectively, Lord, we can always do so much more together than we can apart. Lord, would you help us to be a people of abundant generosity, a people who bear witness to the reality of your kingdom, God, by the way that we give. God, would you help us to bear witness to the riches of your glorious kindness in Christ Jesus as we share it with others. God, help us to be this kind of people, a people of blessing, a people who bless with what we have. It is a reflection of your blessing, God, of giving yourself on the cross. We pray that we would be a people who reflect the beauty of who you are by giving with an open hand, God, that we would see that this world is a gift from God and for God. And we pray all these things in your beautiful name, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information, please visit www.ecclesianj.com.